welcome to the 44th episode of Everything Under the Sun, a weekly podcast answering all the most pressing questions children around the world have about life on Earth. My name is Molly, and today I have three questions all about babies. Our first question comes from Violet and Tabitha, who are twins. Over to Violet and Tabitha. Hello, Molly. Our names are Violet and Tabitha. We live in Saffron Warden. We're nine years old and we love judo. Our question is, how are identical twins made? Thank you, Tabitha and Violet, for your brilliant question. To answer it for you, I have Dr Chris who, as you can guess from his name, is a doctor. And he's also a twin, an identical twin. So he's the perfect person to answer your question. Over to Chris. This is Dr Chris, and I'm answering a question from Violet and Tabitha, who both love judo and want to know how identical twins are made. Now, this is a brilliant question, Violet and Tabitha, because I am an identical twin, and from the sounds of your question, so are both of you. So how did I and you get made? Well, let's start with the basics. Identical twins start in the same way that almost all babies start inside a mummy. Mums release eggs from their ovaries, which are inside their tummies. Now, you both have ovaries in your tummies right now, which have all the eggs you'll ever use if you end up having children. The eggs from the ovaries go into the uterus, which some people call the womb. And the womb is where an egg cell from mum and a sperm cell from dad meet. Now, if you want to know more about how eggs and sperms meet, then you need to ask a grown-up that you know really well and that you trust and that you love, a teacher, parent, a grandparent, someone that you, you really know well. Now, the sperm from dad and the egg from mum each contain instructions for how to make a baby. But here's the crucial thing. The sperm cell only has half the instructions and the egg cell has the other half of the instructions. So the sperm and the egg join together to make one big cell with a complete instruction set, and then that cell starts to grow and grow, and it splits in half, making two more cells. And you've got two cells. And each of those cells grows, and then splits in half, making four cells. And those four cells split and make eight cells. The eight cells split make 16 cells. And now what you've got is the beginnings of a baby. So typically, This little ball of cells keeps growing and dividing and growing and dividing. And soon there are hundreds of cells, millions of cells, billions of cells, and eventually the trillions of cells that are in all of our bodies right now. Now, as they grow, the cells start to specialize and become organs with jobs. Some cells become heart cells, others brain cells, others blood cells. And it's obviously all very complicated. There's still a lot that we don't understand. But with identical twins, the process starts in exactly the same way with this little ball of cells. But within about the first week to 10 days of mum being pregnant after the sperm and the egg have met, that ball of cells splits into two balls of cells. And those two little balls of cells each grow and become a different baby. And what this means in real life is that each one of that pair of identical twins, those two babies, has the same set of instructions. The instructions are made from a chemical called DNA. And what that means is that those instructions tell the body and the cells lots of different things about the kind of person you become. So with your sister, just like me and my twin, Dr. Zand, you'll have the same eye colour, the same hair colour. You'll be about the same size. 
and lots of things about the kind of person you are are going to be very similar. You'll probably make the same sort of friends. You'll enjoy the same foods. You'll like the same sports. You'll be quite similar people. Now, being an identical twin is a bit odd. I'm going to tell you a bit about me being a twin here. This may not be the same for you. I think it's a bit odd because there's another person moving through the world who looks exactly like me and who represents me. So what I think is really important about being a twin is to look after one another. People get you confused. People are going to get you confused your whole life. And sometimes that's fun and sometimes that's a bit irritating. But what you want is for your twin to be as healthy and as happy as you are because no one will look out for you better than your twin as you share all those instructions. Now there's one other really odd thing about being an identical twin, which is that if you two ever have children, because the instructions inside your eggs are the same, your children will be brothers and sisters, not cousins in terms of their DNA. So if we tested my daughter, Lyra, it would be impossible to tell scientifically if it was me or Dr. Zand who was her dad, and the same with his son Julian, that a scientific test would show that I was his dad or that Zand was his dad because we share the same instructions and your instructions are what you pass on to your children. Now, non-identical twins happen when mum's ovaries release two eggs, not one, and each of those eggs joins up with a different sperm from dad's. So although the babies grow and are born at the same time, they don't share 100% of those DNA instructions. They share 50% like usual brothers and sisters. So I hope that answers your question. It's all very complicated. It is brilliant that you are thinking of questions like this. There's so much more to discover and I think you should both become geneticists or embryologists and figure out much more about it. It's very nice talking about this and thanks for giving me the opportunity. Bye! Thanks so much, Dr. Chris, for your brilliant answer about identical twins. Isn't that amazing that if you're an identical twin, there's another person who looks just like you moving around the world? Now, if anyone wants more information about how babies, not just twins, are made, remember we talked about it in an earlier episode with Marina Fogel, so you can go back to that episode and listen for more detail. So now you know where you came from, Violet and Tabitha. I hope that answers your question, and remember to look after each other, as Chris says. Now, last week we had a competition to win a copy of Oliver Jeffers' new book, The Fate of Fausto, about a man who is so greedy he wants to own everything on Earth, including a flower, a sheep, a mountain, and even the sea, instead of just appreciating the world's beauty and letting it be. Here are our favourite competition entries. Remember, I asked you to send in what you think the most beautiful thing in the world is. Have a listen now. Hello, Molly. I'm Aveline and I'm seven. I like running and swimming and I think the best thing in the world is butterflies because of their lovely pattern and at the moment I'm preserving them. Thank you. My name is Isabel. I am eight years old. I live in England. I love Playmobil and crafts and I think the most beautiful thing in the world is a rainbow because of all the lovely bright colours. Thank you. Bye. Hi, my name is Bragan. I'm five from Colorado and I love swimming. And I think the most beautiful thing on earth is uh, flowers. Hi, I'm Ben and I'm seven and I think the most beautiful thing in the world is trees. It was so hard to decide because I love all of those answers. So I had to just pick a name out of a hat. And the winner is... 
dragon who likes flowers. I hope you love the book, Dragon. And thank you to all of you for sending in your brilliant competition entries. And now for our next question, which comes from Ali. She has a question about baby birds. Ali, my name is Ali. I'm eight years old. I live in Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania. And I really love penguins. My question is, um, why does a baby penguin's feathers change when it gets older? Thanks for your great question, Ali. Well, baby penguins hatch with soft, fluffy, brown or grey feathers. These soft, downy feathers are really, really good at keeping the chicks warm. But they're not waterproof, so they wouldn't be any use to adult penguins who have to spend a lot of time out in the water looking for food. But... Penguin chicks, when they're tiny, they don't need waterproof feathers because their parents go off to catch fish for them and bring the food back to the nests so that the chicks can eat safely, all snugly and warm with their soft brown downy feathers. (sighs) But when the chicks are big enough to look after themselves, their parents head off to the sea, leaving the now adult chicks to fend for themselves. By this time, the chicks have lost their soft, warm feathers and grown black and white adult feathers. These feathers have a warm layer underneath, so they're still warm, but they have a top layer of feathers that are waterproof. So now the penguins are grown up. They're able to swim and catch their own fish without getting their bodies all wet. They're protected by their adult feathers. I hope that answers your question, Ali. If you have a question you would like answered on everything under the sun, just remember this is how you do it. Ask an adult to borrow their smartphone, then ask them to record you saying your name, your age, a bit about yourself, and then ask me your question. And send it in to me by email to molly at everythingunderthesun.co.uk. And now our third question, we're moving back to human babies with a question about talking from Iris. Over to Iris. Hello, my name is Iris. I'm five years old. I like playing with my baby sister and drawing. And my question is, how do babies learn to talk? Thanks, Iris. That's such a good question. How do babies learn to talk? Well, to answer it for you, I have Charles Ferniehoe, who wrote a book about his daughter, Athena, when she was growing up as a baby. So I thought he'd be the perfect person to answer your question. Over to Charles. Thanks, Iris, for your really interesting question. My name is Charles Ferniehoe, and I wrote a book about how my own daughter's mind developed as she grew up. Her name is Athena, and the book is called The Baby in the Mirror. Language seems such a complicated thing. How do babies learn to do it? And how do they do it so quickly? A small child of around three is already an expert in their language. How do they make such progress so fast? Well, one answer is that babies already know a huge amount about language before they're even born. Think about all the different sounds you hear when you listen to someone talking. And then think about how those sounds are different in the other languages that people speak around the world. It turns out that very young babies are actually better at distinguishing all these different sounds than we are. It's as if they come into the world knowing about the sounds that make up language. And over time, they learn to focus on the specific sounds they need to learn their own language and forget the rest. So although you speak English, when you were born, your brain was ready to learn to speak French or Mandarin or Swahili. And of course, you can still learn those languages. 
But when we're babies, it's particularly easy for us to distinguish the sounds we need. I hope that answers your question, Iris. Thanks so much, Charles, for your brilliant answer. Isn't it amazing that babies are learning the language their family speaks inside their mummy's tummy as they're listening away while they're growing in there? That's all before they're born. And that babies, when they're born, can easily learn different languages. If you play with a little baby, see if you can teach him or her some new words in your language or in another language if you know more than one. I hope that answers your question, Iris. Right, that's it for this week. Wishing you all a very lovely week. A huge thank you to the wonderful Dr. Chris for talking to us about identical twins and to Charles Farniho for chatting to us about babies with such a great answer. I love learning how babies learn to talk and where identical twins come from. And of course, a big thank you to Iris, Ali, Violet and Tabitha for this week's questions. A big thank you to Ash Gardner at House of Strange for the theme song and Audio Networks for all the lovely incidental music we use this week. Now, I made a programme about babies because I'm having a baby very soon. So I might be away for a couple of weeks, busy doing that, but I'll be back when I can. In the meantime, do send in your questions about anything and everything under the sun to my email, molly at everythingunderthesun.co.uk. I can play your questions to baby and answer them as soon as I can. Also, if you like the show, remember to rate it and leave a lovely, lovely review wherever you listen to the podcast and tell your friends to listen to. I hope you have a lovely week and if you're lucky, you get to cuddle a baby. Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.